Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. All right, it's another baseball edition of the podcast as I bring in my baseball guys, Jay Cresswell and Joe Finger. So, gentlemen, welcome back. Good to have you. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, You know, we're a month into the season. It's time to do this. Yes, exactly. And, of course, last time we did this, uh, we were in my car outside of Joker Martian Stadium before a Tigers Orioles spring training game, and that was a that was quite a, quite a bit of fun. Your uh, your friend uh, Charles was uh, with us, Jay, and uh, it was kind of kind of cool to get together and do one in person. Yep, uh, February twenty fifth. But who's counting? <laughs> yes, he memorizes all the dates of all the spring training. Oh, no, twenty sixth. I'm sorry. Yes. yes, I don't even know what today is. What is today? Anyway, <laughs> but, you, know. uh, you you guys need to know when I get up in the morning now instead of uttering a false a bad word the first thing i do is i ask my sports speaker what day it is <laughs> <laughs> you have arrived where i almost want said to her be. name but I, I didn't want to do that yeah nice well i would like to achieve that as well that would be a, that would be a good yes. good, good and wonderful wonderful thing so uh yeah, so we're a month in, so this is a good time to you know talk about uh, the baseball season so far to date and uh Let's talk about our teams, and all three of us are happy to say first place next to their names. That is a beautiful thing. Jay, lead us off. Well, I saw the Pirates play four times in seven days in Florida in the spring, and what everyone asked me, what do you think? And I said, they won't lose 100 this year. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I picked them to lose 90. I said 72 and 90. I said they'll be a little bit better in all facets of the game. But, you know, we all assumed the Cardinals were going to run away with the division, and we see that isn't happening either. So what has happened in the first 29 games is uh, the Pirates have hit. They've stolen bases. They lead the majors in stolen bases. Uh, their pitching is top five in every every facet, and that's starting and relieving. And they've hit for some power, a little less than most. But uh, And I'm going to tell you right now, it's all Carlos Santana. He's 37 years old, but he is a leader. And people follow him around. And having him on that team with all the young Hispanic players that are in their first, second, or third years or just came up from the minors, they see how he does it. And he does it the right way. So then you add in Andrew McCutcheon. And I was going to say that, old. and I was going to say, you know, I thought the secret was just bringing him back alone. <laughs> well, that alone was the feel good thing of all time. I can tell you that. And, um, you know, just watching the standing O he got at the first home game uh, gave me chills. I put on my McCutcheon jersey, uh, which I hadn't worn since he left, you know, five, six years ago. But, the, the the couple and, and Rich Hill pitching, who drives me insane, thank <laughs> God there's a pitch clock. Um, I'm sure his games would take five hours if there wasn't he's, a pitch clock. He's, what, 52 now, I think? I think he's 43. Oh, wow. He is the oldest pitcher in the majors, that's for sure. Yes. I think Miggy may be older than him. But he's doing the same thing. You know, he throws that 68-mile-an-hour sidearm curveball, and they have no idea where it's going to land. So – 
add the veterans to the kids who have not remembered how to screw up so much. And this is, and they haven't played a lot of tough teams either. So a year ago, if something bad happened in the game, it would immediately be, this is why we're going to lose. Well, this year, thus far, they've overcome all of those. Um, you know, they had 11 straight quality starts. Uh, at, at one point, they were, you know, 10, 10 or 10 and 2. And uh, one of those, they blew a five-run lead. So they're generally ahead in the games. And then getting the pitching behind it, I don't know that it can last uh, being the typical uh, negative glass half empty Pittsburgh fan. Uh, but it's, it just with the penguins sucking the way they did at the end of the year. Um, this is where everybody's coming together and thank God this series is in Tampa Bay and St. Pete because this morning it was 33 in Pittsburgh and sleeting. Mm. And so when you try to bring a crowd out to see the team and the crowd's been pretty sparse so far, but it's also been typical wet winter weather there. And you know, there's always the lead time of a week or two while people are buying tickets, you know? Um, so all is well. I'm not going to jinx it. It's very hard for me to be this positive, but I believe in it. I still think they would get more people in 33 in Sleet than they will in Tampa. But that's just uh, me. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. Right. I'm watching the game as we speak. And you are correct. <laughs> so, so, Jay, did, did you actually see this coming at all? Or has this been like a shock to see them play that well? No, it's a shock. I mean, obviously they have it in them, but usually there were those rookie base running, throwing mm. air, you know, all, all that crap. Or, ooh, he grooved the ball because it was 2-0. and I mean, I will say, though, twice this year, they've been called for catcher's interference. Um, and, of course, it was because Rich, Rich Hill throws those 68-mile-an-hour curveballs, and the catcher's trying to catch it, and he leans out, and they hit his glove. Um, but those dumb mistakes just aren't there. Now, they may wear down. You know, but I think they're being held accountable by the veterans in the room. I think of two things, uh, you know, because I remember watching pirate games some last year, and I felt so bad for the pitchers because they yeah. you, they they showed potential and had good stuff, but they got no yeah. run support. So now Absolutely. they're now they're getting that, and you mentioned the quality starts. I mean, these guys are going seven a lot of the time. Yeah, and they're they're playing from the lead right now, like you said. Um, so they'll get a one or two run lead. I think they lead the majors and runs in the first inning. And uh, and then you bring out, you know, Keller is where he should be after five years. Contreras is a three-something ERA, and he's 23 years old. And then who knew that, you know, Ortiz and Velasquez were going to pitch as well as they, especially Velasquez. Um, and then Rich Hill. And this is with them losing their uh, number two starter to Tommy John surgery before the season started and uh you know the, the first guy they would bring up from the minors would be mike burrows he had tommy john's surgery last week mm. so it's thinner but if these guys keep pitching like this things should be okay mm. for sure so yeah definitely uh definitely fun times and you, you know and you know this could be like an Orioles situation last year the longer yeah. they kept winning the more confident they got uh, yep. so you might see that same kind of snowball effect well, that would be uh, wonderful, and I am very thankful that I did not, in my usual snit, 
cancel MLB extra innings uh, a week into the season. I just I let it go, and now I'm enjoying it like crazy. You've actually done that, canceled it a week into the season? <laughs> yeah, I've done that twice in the past 10 years or so oh, wow. because, because, you know, I have till like the 5th of April to cancel. Yeah. And, yeah. and I know it's free, you know, several times during the year, but I would sit here and go, I can't believe, and this is in April. I can't believe I paid for this because they were so bad. Yeah. And I, I was going to, I had in my calendar cancel MLB extra innings, you know, since March, but I never did. And I'm happy I didn't. <laughs> I think they're going to, I think this is, you know, I don't know if they're going to continue at this pace, probably not, but I think they're legitimately a much improved team. I, you just get the feeling, the chemistry, the psychology of it. Yep. We see, we see teams, you know, turn that corner sometimes when we're not really expecting it, but there it is. Yeah. I think Jeff nailed it when he made the comparison to the Orioles last year. Yeah. Yep. You Very know, similar. Yeah. And uh, we will talk more about them too, about, another piece of chemistry uh, that's uh, happened with them yes. lately. That'll be coming up yes. in, in a little bit uh, during the show. All right, Joe, your first place, Minnesota Twins. Talk to me. Well, I, I can think of at least three things the Twins have going for them, and those thing, three things are Detroit, Chicago, and Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> I'm looking at this. The the White Sox and um, Royals are a combined 15 and 43 going into tonight's game. Ooh. So Ooh. the uh, or as um, somebody in some article I was reading the other day said, the American League Central is a dungeon of suck. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> no true uh, words. <laughs> I like that, but you know, so you don't have to be that great to do well in the Central. But, you know, going going into this season, I, I looked at, you know, I saw the Twins in spring training. They made a few moves in the offseason. And I was thinking, you know, just a few years ago, we were talking about the, the all the home runs the Twins were hitting when Nelson Cruz was there and some, some of the other guys who have since moved on. And so they were a power-hitting team with very little, particularly in the starting pitching ranks. This year, they have a very deep starting pitching yep. staff. It looked good. Going in, Sonny Gray has has been great. Uh, the, the young guy Joe Ryan has pitched well. Lo, Pablo Lopez, who's came over in the trade from the Marlins for uh, Louis Arias, who's also doing great for the Marlins, yep. may win a batting title in the National League this year. But Lopez has been very effective for the Twins. Um, they've got a couple of guys on the IL right now. Um, Maeda who was their number four starter coming back from Tommy John surgery is out right now. It doesn't look like it's going to be a season ending thing. And uh, uh, Trevor Marley, who I saw in spring training looked really good. He's dealing with some, some type of arm problem right now. We hope it's not too serious, but they have very deep staff. Um, I think they still lead the American league and earn run averages for the starters. Yep. And the bullpen yep. has been pretty solid too. So this is a, Kind of a different look Twins team, getting some really good pitching. They started off the year with like 12, 13 consecutive quality starts under the definition of a quality start that we use today. Uh, hitting's been a little slow in coming around, but um, Joey Gallo, who I picked on incessantly yep. the last time we got together, has actually played pretty well. Hit some home runs. They, they love him in Minnesota. Um Correa's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start, but he'll come around. Buxton is starting to warm up a little bit. So they've got some 
you know, some some good guys out there on the field. They've had some injuries, some guys coming back. So I think the Twins are going to be pretty solid this year, uh, barring Agreed. barring a, a rash of injuries. That last year they had, I think, the second most number of games lost to injuries of any team in baseball. Now, if that happens again, that that happens to any team, you're going to be in trouble. But yep. assuming they can keep the guys relatively healthy, I think, and especially since they're in the Central Division, uh they're probably going to be right there along with Cleveland. Uh, Terry yep. Frank always has his team playing well at some point during the season. So it looks like a, I think, a Minnesota-Cleveland uh, run for it. So we're I'm kind of pumped by it. I guess it's been a long time since we've seen the Twins <laughs> pitching as well as they have this year. I can't remember the last time, you know, uh, you feel like every night out you had a starting pitcher out there who could win you a ball game. It, it's been a long time before since Minnesota had something like that going. So hopefully that'll, that'll continue and we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. Probably since 1991. <laughs> uh, 91. Yeah. The world series year, but you know, even those world series teams, they, they didn't have the great, uh, even then the great depth of starting. Yeah. Pitch. They weren't deep. Right. You know, it was Bly Levin, Viola and pray Jack, for rain or Jack, uh, Morris. Jack Morris, Jack Morris, Jack, and Morris, Jack yeah. Morris and pray for rain. <laughs> Uh, and they were able to do it. So, um, but yeah, they they they've made some moves, and the guys have been pitching really well. And um, so so far, so good. Yeah, you know, I know in seasons past, you know, when we've had these discussions, it's you know, you were always lamenting the pitching just because you know it, yep. it was the and with good reason. <laughs> yeah, with yeah. good reason. All right, Joe, you may care about this more than me because I'm a uniform nerd. But uh, what do you think of the new? Uh, Uniforms of the Twins. I'm okay with it. You know, I think I I didn't know what to think at first, but I I'm, I'm, I'm I've watched a few games, saw them with it, and but I'll be honest with you, I don't I don't pay that much attention to. Usually with me, I don't pay that much attention to it unless they're god awful and it just breaks through every other thing that's vying for my attention. I think what what got my attention just now? Oh, it's that that ridiculous looking uniform they're wearing that hasn't happened so i guess i'm okay i yeah. guess i'm okay i do like the fact they brought back the 1970s red white and blue batting helmet yep yep that's yeah, cool. i like that i remember it. yeah yeah that's a, that was even a good though the twins had sucky teams back in back in those days yes but but yeah rod carew a one-man team <laughs> that <laughs> pretty pretty much unless Don't you can't forget about larry heisel yes <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. So that brings us to my Braves. And uh, I'm thankful to be in first place because when you consider the injuries that they've already taken on in the first part of the season, Michael Harris, Travis Darnot, Max Fried missed a couple of starts. Yep. Um, And they essentially on several nights have batted eight instead of nine because they have Marcelo Zuna in the lineup, <laughs> which I think, <laughs> I think hopefully they're, they're done with him at the, at some point. Uh, I mean, they'd be better up. They'd be better off throwing a pitcher out there to hit than him right yeah. now. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's clearly that bad. <laughs> yeah. He's hitting like, Oh, 65 or something. It's uh, it's, you know, if anything else, he probably, he probably needs to change the scenery as well. Um, but, uh, you know, given all that, you know, it's, uh, you know, we've been getting some good starting pitching from, uh, Bryce Elder, uh, has, has stepped up in that, uh, in that role. 
Uh, Spencer Strider, that guy is, uh, you know, although he had struggles with the Mets yesterday, he got the win, thankfully, because they scored nine runs. But uh, the Mets seem to be his kryptonite a little bit. But uh, he's uh, he's had, he had, what, nine straight games or nine strikeouts or more, uh, you know, and was pitching very efficiently. You know, for a power guy, he's uh, he's very efficient. Uh, Ronald Acuna got hit in the shoulder yesterday. He He's yeah. back in the lineup tonight, thankfully. But uh, that clearly was an intentional hit yep. on him, which, uh, you know, will will they will they seek revenge on that later? I don't know. I would just rather him keep hitting 490-foot home runs like he did in the first game of that. <laughs> to, to he's, hitting, he's hitting 363 from what yeah. I see here. 363. Yes. And that's still 60, almost 70 points behind some little second baseman for the Marlins. But, but yeah, yeah, Acuna's... You know, playing really well. Yeah, yo, well, he's, if, go ahead, Jay. I was going to say, if they're going to get even, please make it Pete Alonzo. Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, the fact, you know, Acuna's numbers power-wise are a little bit down, but I'm okay with that because he's, you know, he's he's really using all of his tools. Uh, he gets on base. He's darn near going to steal it most of the time. So, uh yeah, I can't uh, can't say how happy I am at, at this point. Uh, going into May, it's like, yeah, it could have been could have been worse. We got off to a slow start last year, and this is really the you know, the first time we've gotten off to a good start in a while. So we shall in see. A tough division too. Yes. yes, I mean it's not unlike you know the AL East because you got the Mets, you got the Phillies who have been. I think they're going to get it together. Yeah, they get Harper back. But look at how. Look at Probably how long Miami's playing. Yeah. No, yeah. No, the Nationals are just awful, but it's a tough division. Yeah. Totally, totally agree with that. So, uh, we may mention this when we we're uh, talking about uh, feel good stories in baseball. And, Jay, your team certainly is front and center on that this year, in my opinion. Uh, the Drew Maggi story. Uh, Drew Maggi uh, played a lot in spring training this year. I'd never heard of him. Okay even though he was their first-round draft pick 13 years ago, Pirates. And um, he was their best player this spring. Uh, power, average, uh, he can play, you know, three infield positions. I think they stuck him in the outfield a couple times this spring. But they told him, you know, you're not making a team and you're not even going to AAA. You're going to be a A Altoona. And, uh, you know, knock on wood, uh, Brian Reynolds had bereavement leave, and the easiest way for the Pirates to get someone there is to have them drive from Altoona, which is a 90-minute drive, mm-hmm. or 70 if it's me driving. <laughs> um, and so they knew the story. A thousand games in the minor leagues, all those plate appearances. He'd been up with the Twins for a very, very brief cup of coffee, but never got in. Yeah, I read that. I don't remember him either. <laughs> and... uh here he is, 33, turning 34 years old, and they sent him up there to pinch it. And he said, "The first, I'm I, there's no way I'm going to sit here and watch pitches. You know, <laughs> I'm going to go for it from the first pitch. And the first pitch, he hit about 115 miles an hour down the left field line way file. He was just so far in front of it. Then, then he got anxious and struck out on a pitch in the dirt. But it's okay. He got a great ovation." for coming in there, and then he didn't play, and then he didn't play, and he was going to go back to Altoona, but Saturday 
Saturday? Yes. Friday's game against the Nationals got rained out. So the team had to have a doubleheader on Saturday, and you're allowed to carry an extra guy on your roster for a doubleheader. So they said, we're going to send you back, but you can stay for Saturday in the doubleheader. And they had a humongous lead. It was, you know, 8 nothing or 12 nothing or something in the second game. And they sent him up there to hit, and he lined it up the middle, drove in a run, got a hit. The place went bonkers. I would say half of the people in D.C. were Pirates fans. And uh, then he came up in the ninth and hit a double down the left field line and ended up scoring a run. So he uh, officially goes back to Altoona with a 333 average, a run scored, and an RBI, and his parents were there to see it. And, I mean, <laughs> chills just watching it and the way the team went bonkers for him. Yes. When he got his first hit, they showed him in the dugout, and someone uh, on uh, Twitter said, my God, Brian Reynolds has a pulse because he usually just sits there, and he was going crazy too. So it was a feel-good story of feel-good stories. Yes, I was watching that as it, live. And uh, it was it was remarkable. And, and of course, first thing I go is like, yep, this is why you love sports, right? It is. And secondly, it's like, okay, how many 34-year-old guys are toiling in the minors? Yeah. You know? Yeah, at 20 grand a year if they're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You have it. How do you play 13 seasons in the minor leagues? I mean, that in itself is well, quite he's remarkable. Well, he's lucky in that he was just good enough to be yeah. an extra body. Yeah. And then he, he has the right attitude, yeah. you know, and this is what he wants to do. And, you know, when they sent him down after spring, he thought this is probably going to be it. Um, but through all those flukes, he got his chance and he took advantage of it. And I'm, I'm betting you this is probably his last year. Yeah, mm. I can imagine. But, yeah, you. but you're right. You know, it's, it, it's, a, t- it's a tough way as a minor league player to support yourself. You know, yes. you know, maybe the wife has a really great job. Uh, you That's hope? what I'm hoping. <laughs> it's tough. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it, it is a great story, you know, and you know, I like flipping minor league games on from time to time yes. and, and watching them and, you know, you know, prospects that are, you know, highly touted prospects that aren't so highly touted. It's just fun to see the drive these kids have Absolutely. in trying to get to the big leagues. Absolutely. Yeah. A tremendous story. Can we, can we uh, as we, sh- I don't mean to shift yeah, off please. the pirate, but talking about minor league baseball, you, you guys probably heard about the uh, game a few weeks back between the Chattanooga Lookouts and the Rocket City Trash Pandas. <laughs> First of all, I didn't make that name up. I just wanted to work that name in. The Rocket City Trash Pandas. I did not hear um, about it. Tell me more. The, uh, the Lookouts defeated the Rocket City Trash Pandas 7-5, to five, even though they didn't get a hit. It was a no-hitter. Yes. Oh, yes. And, yeah. uh, yes. the losing team was the team that threw the no-hitter, and they gave up seven runs. And all in one inning. All in one inning. Even more amazingly. So how did that um, happen? Let's see. And. In, the, in, in that inning, I don't know which inning it was, but there it were was five late. walks, two hit batters um, with the bases loaded, a wild pitch, and a three-base error. And the next thing you know, seven runs are in. It's like a little no league hits. home run. Yeah. 
And it does not surprise me that Joe had that researched. Yes. I just <laughs> happened to see that because I have a file called Quirky <laughs> that I work oh, on. that's good. <laughs> i got to have at least one good thing for you. But, you know, my wife and I, when we, uh, when Andre and I have traveled um, over the years, we've occasionally, we, we always, if we go to some place where there's minor league baseball, if it's that time of the year, we've a few times tried to catch a minor league game. And every time we go, we have more fun. Yep. Because if something weird happens, we, we've seen uh, managers kick dirt on the umpire. We, we, I saw, we saw a game in Missoula, Montana, where there was like 20 walks. I mean, you got these yeah. young single-A summer league kids, and, you know, you know, they're, most of them aren't in baseball anymore. And but it's just it, it's a lot of fun. And, and I saw this, I'm thinking, yeah, that would have been great. Now, this, was, this was a double-A game, so you would expect maybe a little bit more. Yeah. But but still seven nothing a no hitter, or seven to five and a no hitter, uh, seven runs no hits. So get gotta love baseball. Yeah. Uh, four years ago, when I made my annual trip to Pennsylvania, we went to Altoona to see a game. The park's really cool, and if you hit a long home run to right, it goes into the roller coaster. It's <laughs> it's not dissimilar to Tinker Field where you would hit it into the Citrus Bowl. The right. Citrus Bowl. Yes. Right. And at, and that was four years ago, 19 probably. And O'Neill Cruz was the best player on the Altoona curve. And we all know, he, you know, he's an up and coming player for the Pirates now. But at that point, he was a six foot seven shortstop who hit little dinky balls in the left field. He had no power. He had no exit velocity. He had no launch angle. And maybe he just went through a growth spurt or something. But you see things like that, and that was double A, and now here's the guy leading the world in exit velocity. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's great. That is remarkable. You know, and fun, and 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 Jr. Mutual friend Keith Feeney. Uh, you know, we were I, we were literally just talking about this this more uh, this morning that how much I miss having a minor league team to go see here in Central Absol- Florida. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's so much fun. Yes, it's always a blast, and you know, it's you know it doesn't have the the pressure of a major league game. It feels yeah. more relaxed and, and whatnot. So yeah, I, I, I do totally miss that. Speaking of minor league baseball. So yeah, we, we are kind of side shifting topics here, but uh, what's your take on the Savannah bananas? No take. Savannah bananas. Hold, I don't know, Jeff. I'm hold not... on. Hold on. We have crickets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, now my question is, is it that because it rhymes? Or no, is so there a they're like a the, so they're like a barnstorming team. Oh, okay. And they do all sorts of gimmicks and things like that. All of their minor league games are sold out. Your mm. the tickets are twenty five bucks. You get yep. everything, all all the food and beverages, non alcoholic that you would like. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty interesting phenomenon. So if you haven't looked, I would do that. Yeah, I totally would do that. Uh, so, you know, they, they do a lot of gimmicky stuff. Yeah. And they do have the banana yellow uniforms. Uh, <laughs> wow. uh, I, I want to say they were in Arlington, not very long ago. Um, you know, they, they, they were supposed to be in Tampa this weekend. I think that was a weather affected situation. Yes. So yeah, it, it, 
It is interesting. I'm writing it down. Yeah, you definitely you definitely have to uh, do do a do a deep dive on them. And I think I'll look will, them up. I think yeah. you will be. I think you'll be very entertained by that. So here's the thing, and this is sad. When you said Savannah Bananas, I immediately thought some guy at a radio station came up with that because it rhymes. <laughs> and the only other choice would have been something with alliteration. In it. So judging by the shirt I'm wearing, that salesman would have been Herb Tarlick. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Great shirt, by the way. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> yes, for those who are, are not watching, it's a WKRP shirt. So uh, You know what's funny is, maybe it's not funny, uh, there is actually an AM station in Cincinnati on 1530. Is there? It's WCKY. Or oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I've heard of it. Cincinnati, Kentucky is what it stood for. Okay. And it's probably an ESPN thing now or, you know, conservative talk or something like that. But there is a station on that frequency. Yes, uh, yeah, I do remember WCKY now, that, uh, come to think of it. So, Joe, I think that's where Mike Geyer came from. Uh, yep. when he was our general manager at WKIS. Former, former general manager. Yes, yes. In the 80s, mid-80s. Yes. And, yeah. and, Joe, did you ever hear the rumor when we were at WKIS that the Arthur Carlson was based on Susquehanna Broadcasting President Arthur uh, Carlson? Yes. Yeah, well, maybe you had told me that, but I've heard it somewhere. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, we may have to play that theme uh, as well uh, when we do our TV themes in a little bit. So I was thinking about that yeah. this weekend. Like, yes. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's roll over to the impact of rule changes. I'm going to start with the pitch clock. And I know back in spring, the early returns, we liked it very much. The current returns, I would say I still like it very much. I think, you know, obviously keeping the batters in the box has been the, the big achievement there. And, I think the other thing, because, you know, everybody kind of said, oh, you know, the, the, the pitchers are going to get exhausted because they're pitching so quick and, and all that, and they do 100 pitches. So our friend Keith, I, I mentioned earlier, he said, you know, he said to me, he said, I think how this has benefited the pitchers is now they can actually get into a rhythm. Yep. And we're, yep. And we're seeing guys go back into six, seven innings again versus being tuckered out at five. So – to me, that's a big win right there. Not only that, with the games being shorter, it means the pitcher is out on the mound for less time. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they now, they may be hurried up a slight bit between pitches, and if you call 20, 15 or 20 seconds hurried up, you've got a problem. Um, but they're out there for – and if they pitch a complete game, Two hours mm-hmm. and change. Yeah. Uh, while we were doing this very show, flashed on the screen in front of me, thus far the average time of an MLB game this year is two hours and 38 minutes. Um, in the seven games I saw in spring training, the longest game was 241. Mm. And those are first week of games in spring with 60 guys on each roster, guys in the 90s pitching and pinch running. And managers doing all kinds of stuff, two hours and 41 minutes. Mm. Best thing ever. That is remarkable. Well, I know the the Twins were notorious last year for having starters come out at about the four and a third innings mark and feel as if they had done their job. That was like, come on, seriously? (laughs) Uh, You don't don't want to face someone a third time, and that's ridiculous. And I read an article where Sonny Gray said he was kind of embarrassed by that. 
And yep. he and Bob Deli were talking about it, I guess, during the offseason and going into spring training that they wanted to make a commitment to go deeper into ball games. So I don't I don't know if that was necessarily because of the pitch clock or whether it just coincidentally time or, you know, kind of rolled out at the same time with with that. But yeah, the, the twins pitchers now where they previously maybe five innings would be, hey, I did a that was my you know, quality start of the week. You're seeing six and seven inning starts a little more, a little more commonly. Um, and I suspect that probably, you know, I don't have a stat on this. I know I don't have stats on everything, but I wonder what the average length of a starting outing is this year. It might be a little That's bit, a great question. Little, little bit higher. A couple of other things I, I came up with <laughs> digging deep into the vault. Um, and one was that. Pitchers are not bleeding the clock. It says the, the most of them are throwing the pitch with about six and a half seconds left on yep. the clock. So it's not like the NFL when you're running the clock down and you snap the ball with one second left. So they are out there and maybe that's the rhythm you were, you were talking about. They're going, going right to it. And the number of pitch clock violations has come down a bit. Yes. It's not, not out of hand. It's, um, at about, uh, 0.64 per game, and about two-thirds of all games now end without a pitch clock violation. So that hasn't been a, a major issue to this point. Um, curious to see what you guys think about the notion that maybe injuries, or there might be a greater danger of injury because of some of these changes, and the number of injuries, apparently just based on the number of players currently on the IL, has gone up. Uh, first 20 days, we had 236 players on the IL. Majority of those, 60-some percent, were pitchers. So there's more of that going on. But I don't I don't know that you can really attribute that to the, um, the pitch clock. I think that would be just speculation. There may be other things going on. So I haven't seen anyone who's tried to say, oh, yeah, here's, you know, here's the problem. But, it, but that stat is, uh, is out there. But it may be a little too early to draw any you know, hard conclusions from that. I'd be curious to see what that number would be like compared to a month and a year ago. Yeah. You know, because is it, is it, is it guys, you know, trying to get up to speed? Um, it's up. Yeah. It's up over this time a year ago. Um, I knew you'd have that number. Over the same period, we had 189 players on the IL after a lockout shortened spring training. This year it's at 236, which is the highest number ever in that same period mm. by a wide margin. Um, but um, you got different differing opinions as to what's contributing to that. There's no consensus on what that is, you know, why that is. Uh, it may level out. Now, if it stays that way <laughs> year over year, then, you know, maybe you can draw some firmer conclusions from that. One interesting thing, I will throw this out there, uh, was that young pitchers, even before they hit the major league level, are having the Tommy John surgery. We have more young players coming in yes. who had the Tommy John surgery earlier. And the greatest predictor of future injury is previous injury or previous arm problems. So maybe there's a greater susceptibility to injury, which wouldn't have anything to do necessarily with the timing clock, but just the fact that the, the Tommy John surgeries become much more common, especially with younger guys. Yes. Uh, so that that's kind of out there is something to think about. And just the and, and one other speculation was that the emphasis on technology, 
pitchers can go in and look at film and it's like they're in a physics lab, you know, trying to see how they can change their uh, grip of the ball, the arm movement, the, you know, the, really the high tech sort of uh, manipulation of the release point and torque and this and that. And maybe they're doing some things with their delivery or their arm, which uh, maybe is not that, not that great in the long run. You know, they're getting yeah. some short term results from that. So, well, so another possibility. It could be. I think we've discussed this in the past. You know, high school pitchers, they're playing 12 months of the year. They're throwing constantly. And therefore, we're seeing younger and younger pitchers have Tommy John surgery or arm issues. That's not a natural motion, especially throwing a curveball. The other thing um, I was going to throw in, if there is any pitcher in the major league who would try to equate the pitch clock to injuries, it will be Max Scherzer. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Max, mad Max. That cheater. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I've got a great nephew who lives up in Massachusetts and he's, he's high school kid. And he's a left-hander and he's a pitcher on his school team, but he's in, and he's also in this like private team and, and he's, he's pitching all year round. I mean, I'm yeah. like, when do you take a break? There's always the next season. Yeah. There, uh, yeah. So that club travel stuff is to your point. Yeah. yeah. No, they have a big little league complex uh, here in Apopka where I live. And you just, you, you know, and you just see how invested those kids and those parents, and we could go heavy into the, the parenting issue when it comes to the little league ball. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, the impact on the expectations of them at such a young age. Yes. I think is definitely a problem. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know, perhaps having one Tommy John surgery is a precursor to having another one. Yeah. I don't know. You never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're all different. True. And I take it Dr. James Andrews doesn't do them all anymore. So <laughs> there's, yeah. there's probably that too. Um, all right, so let's uh, move over to the shift. So I haven't really felt much impact on that. You know, the, you know, I kind of, I mean, I'm more happy there's no shifting than 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 anything else. Um, you know, and and you know, there's some these semi shifts where you know, if 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 it's a lefty up, you know, the second baseman is as close to second base as he can get yeah. without violating the rule and all that. Uh, what what is your take on? on the shift impact. Well, as the person who hated them outlawing the shift more than I thought it was the end of civilization. Um, <laughs> but, but my belief was because if you're in the major leagues, you should be able to hit the ball over there. Okay. Where nobody is, but I will say this you're a month into the season. It doesn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. And you know, the other teams have come up with bring in a fifth, bring the outfielder in. So you have five infielders and put them right behind second base. I mean, of course, you only have two outfielders then. But, you know, I saw a team called for the second baseman was standing on the grass instead of in the infield dirt. Mm. And I don't know whether that was a balk or a ball or I don't even remember what it was. But I don't think it has had the huge effect that I thought it would. Yeah. And frankly, I, I don't notice that it's not there anymore either. I mean, I presume the batting averages are up. 
based yes. on on that, but yeah, but it's not yeah. it's it's not like uh, offenses yeah. have exploded beyond belief, right? <laughs> no, well, what I, I yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say uh, highest level since sometime in the late eighties, mm. you know, for runs scored. I mean, so th- that's not a seismic change. No. Yeah, I saw something today that. Uh, um, that you know, well, like we said, the, the batting averages are up. Um, about, I think this time a year ago, it was a, it was really low. It had kind of really yes gone down, down, down. It was like at like two thirty one league average, and now it's at two forty five based on some stats I had from a few days back. So it's come up, but historically that's not very high. I mean, it's come up compared to where it was last year or the, or the season before, but. I'm looking at one story here that's comparing 2023 to 2018, five years ago. And to this point in the season, the batting average is almost identical on base percentage, slugging percentage, run per game is very similar. And number of home runs per game, very similar. So maybe it's having some impact, um, you know, impact, but not dramatically. So right. it would appear at this point. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So then. I also think too, and uh, I think run production is probably now influenced by the the rule of the number of times a pitcher can disengage with a hitter to the runner yep. on base. Um, you know, so interestingly enough, you get two, you get a third if you get the guy, but you right. got to you got to get him. By you the way, yes. By the way, um, uh, Brian Snicker has told Max Fried, who has one of the best pickoffs in the game, he said. You have a green light to go a third time anytime you want. He has that much confidence in him. So, uh, so if yeah, if you if you're if you got a pitcher who's got a great pickoff move, he he has a chance to neutralize the runner some. But now we're seeing more stolen bases, more runners in scoring position equals more runs. Aren't I a math major? <laughs> so you can you can have a third third pickoff, but you got to you got to get him with the third. You got to get him with the third. Right. Okay. Yeah, but the catcher can throw down there as many times as he wants. Right. Okay. So, yeah, hopefully no catcher starts doing that to I add know. more time to the game, right? Oh, God <laughs> That's a William Contreras thing right there. Yeah. But I like seeing the stolen base become a factor in the game again. This, Me you, too. It, it feels like a much more well-rounded game. And, you, you know, you've mentioned the Pirates, you know. You now have Thunder and Lightning in play. Yep. So they actually bunt the ball occasionally too, you know, it, it, take the extra base, those kinds of things go, you know, come on, you're taking uh, control of the game. If you do that. Yes, absolutely. Right. Um, I don't think the size of the base has really had any significant impact uh, as far as that goes. So nah. you, I have, uh, what I consider a rule change, although it's not official, if you've watched any games this year, they must have widened home plate by three inches, <laughs> especially to the first base side. I'm telling you, they had a discussion somewhere and said, let's give them the, the corners and, and squeeze the top and bottom. I don't know about squeezing the top and bottom, but I every night I might see five to ten pitches that are nowhere near being over the plate called strikes that are off the corner. 
Mm. So I don't know if that's one of those things. that I don't know. You know, that, that reminds me of something else I stumbled on this week, and that is the rise of the pitchers throwing more sliders and, and yeah. particularly the sweeper, which sweeper, suddenly yeah. become a kind of a thing. Although I think some players have said Chris Sale's been throwing a sweeper for years. Yes. But now it's kind of a kind of a trendy thing and it you know the sweeper is more about that horizontal movement left and right as opposed to the typical cut or the or the the vertical vertical movement i don't know if that's coincidental or what you were saying or not jay but it made me you know made me think of that and the percentage of fastballs is actually down yep uh apparently the lowest it's been on record and Mm -hmm. as the the advent of the slider comes up now why is that i guess good hitters will eventually catch up with a good yeah. fastball, but that's nothing new. I mean, what? Yeah. why is this now suddenly an issue is, was my question. I mean, what pitchers are just figuring that out? I mean, what's up with that? Uh, what's the trend this year? You know, yeah. and here's the other thing. I mean, Joe, you nailed it talking about the sweeper. That makes it a horizontal thing. And that also makes it tougher on the umpire. Did that ball actually cross the plate in yes. the plane of the hitter? It's difficult to perceive that it, uh, it hits the yes. core. It hits the hits the upper corner of the plate, right? You know, yeah. yeah. And that's why you know we've had some discussion again about automated strike zones, and the consensus, and it ain't me, um, says that there will be fewer strikes called if we do that. And I thought it would be more because mm-hmm. those balls that get the top quarter inch of the outside corner at the shoulders they get called a ball it technically is a strike mm. but who knows but it, it might remove the obvious mistakes that umpires make too something that was clearly outside the zone so i don't know which yeah. is more maybe it's an offset maybe it doesn't make that much yeah. difference one way or the other i don't know it will remove the angel hernandez factor <laughs> yeah, i was waiting for that name when are we going to talk about him <laughs> the bump yeah so so jay what you're telling me is that in some essence, umpires allowing corners to be painted again, but in some cases, they're painting the yard as well as right. the corner of the house. Yeah. Yes, they are. <laughs> they're not using a detailed brush. <laughs> Paint with a broad brush. Yes. Yeah. That is, you know, that's an interesting observation because I think I have seen some games where, yeah, that thing's too far outside to be a strike in any universe. Uh, I thought it was me. And, uh, and I not this week. Last weekend, I was watching the Pirates, and Greg Brown, who's their TV guy, said, "Have you noticed that all these pitches that are off the plate to the first base side are being called strikes?" And I went, he, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess if they're doing it consistently, you right? Know, you know that that's you know, hmm. I mean, you should call a strike a real strike, but. Yes, but if they're but if just we, be consistent. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so that that's a that's a, that is an interesting thought. That's something I think I was watching. We'll yeah, see. that's something I definitely want to keep my eye on as far as uh, as far as that transpires throughout the season. So uh, before we get to TV themes, uh, I know you guys both uh, did some research uh, uh, for the show. Is there any nuggets out there you want to share before we uh, do TV themes? Well, I want. Uh, 
All my research is based on the best MLB lineup of all time. Oh, yeah, Chat GPT. You know, that was the first topic that I put on our list. I almost totally forgot about it. You got (laughs) your sidetracked there. (laughs) Yes, I was was thrown off on that. So, all right, so according to Chat GPT, this is the best MLB lineup of all time. And I will read to you this way. First base, Lou Gehrig. Shortstop, Ernie Banks. Third baseman, Mike Schmidt. Catcher Johnny Bench, designated hitter Hank Aaron, center fielder Willie Mays, second baseman Jackie Robinson, right fielder Babe Ruth, and left fielder Ricky Henderson. So I look at this list. Now, first I will say this. I kind of like the, at least this concept better than the old, uh, hey, what's your uh, Mount Rushmore of Atlanta Braves baseball? Yeah. Give us a call yeah. now. Uh, so uh, I kind of like this better. Uh, and overall, this list is not terrible. Uh, oh, very good. But I do have to question a list that does not have Ted Williams on it. <laughs> yes. One of the first names I thought of. Good God. When you sent this to us and I went off about Ricky Williams, I screamed, what about Ted friggin' Williams? Yeah. His disembodied head would come back and haunt them for this. And his son would try to sell it. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, so yeah, uh, so yeah, that yeah. that would be a big exception there. So, uh, uh, so well, yeah, so let please... me tell you what I did. Yes, so I got so pissed. So I got on my my favorite website, which is baseballreference.com, and I just picked out of thin air outfielders, okay, that were really good and or Hall of Famer, and all but one of them I think on this list is a Hall of Famer. And um, 60s and 70s and 80s. And I wrote these names down. Ted Williams was the first one I wrote down. Roberto Clemente, Barry Bonds, Stan Musial, Frank Robinson, Al Kaline, Carl Yastrzemski. Uh, now, what these guys have in common is every one of them has a better OPS and OPS plus than Ricky Henderson. Mm -hmm. Uh, and sometimes by a mile. Okay. Now, Ricky Henderson's war, I I did that too, is very good. His war is better than Clemente, K-Line, and Yastrzemski, and Frank Robinson. But Ted Williams smokes him across the board. (laughs) So, I, I, you know, I was upset. I saw it. I had to make my case. Boom. I'm interested in your thoughts. Yeah. Well, you know, because, yeah, Ted Williams' first name came to mind now. If Stan Musial would have been on that list instead of Ted Williams, I probably would have disagreed with that, but it'd yes. be far better than Ricky Henderson. <laughs> yeah. I, I just see Ricky Henderson, all, I, and it's someone I follow on Twitter, I'm sure, who keeps posting. It's the Super 70s sports guy. Yeah. Or, I don't know, but all I see is Ricky Henderson, and it drives me insane. Now, he makes up for that with all the Tony Gwynn references Mm -hmm. which are just spectacular yes the statistics you find out about him yes but i'm not buying ricky henderson as one of the nine best of all time what about mickey mantle i didn't even look up mickey mantle that shows you mike trout some some current players yeah yeah Uh, dimaggio i looked up but they didn't score very well (laughs) yeah you know i didn't do as deep a dive into the analytics but i was just like wow before henderson i just i i don't even have to look at the stats i don't think to know I that know. i'd rather have a few of these guys out there clemente would would 
be a top contender for me. Yep. Um, because he, he could do it all. Uh, and I, I remember seeing him play in that 71 World Series and some yep. of the throws he made and what a great hitter he was. Yeah. So. Well, I'm, uh, I'm going to continue this spreadsheet, just so you know. I'm going to keep digging up great outfielders and add them to the list just to prove that Ricky Anderson's at the bottom. <laughs> I love it. Drive them into the ground. Yes, we all have a running we all have a running topic uh, throughout the throughout the summer. That's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, and and then yeah, and Ted Williams only missed several years due to the war. I mean, yeah. think about those numbers would be after that. <laughs> yeah. 24, 25 and 26 years old. He was busy shooting down Germans. Okay. And then again 2 years during the Korean War. So he lost his three best years and still put up these numbers. Yeah, pretty pretty remarkable. So, Joe, any other thoughts on that list? I thought the you know the list you referenced, Jeff, from your chat GPT was uh, pretty pretty good overall. I agreed with a lot of the the names on there. I, I would have, yep. you know, Rogers Hornsby maybe at second base. Uh, you know, uh, oh good good idea. Seven yeah. batting titles, uh, hit over four hundred a couple of times. Um, honest Wagner, perhaps at shortstop. Yeah. Just because of the baseball card alone. I mean, anybody who's you know, <laughs> got a million dollar baseball card. And plus, he's, he's still like over 700 bases as well. Yes. Uh, and I loved Ernie Banks, but I, but Ernie didn't play his entire career at shortstop either, I don't think. No, so. he played no, first. He played first base. Yeah. Um, when they got a lot of them I agreed with, but I thought, I thought I would have probably had Aaron in left field and Williams maybe as my DH. I mean, Ted was yep. maybe the best natural student of the science of hitting. And, you know, so I definitely would have had him in there. But, you know, it's fun. We can argue this stuff yep. all the time. And, you know, different chat GPTs come up with different examples. But I think I think we agree on the Ricky Henderson. Yeah, uh, that was the one that stood out to me right away. Yeah. Especially in the upper left corner. That's what got me. I'm sorry. Yeah. First and, thing you saw. Yeah, you know, and – you know, Ricky was a great baseball player. No question about yes, that. Yes, he was. You know, but uh, so my question for you guys, and I'm in no way denigrating this person, could there have been a better third baseman than Mike Schmidt? I mean, he had 500 home runs. I know that, but maybe you have to go way, way, way back to find it. Eddie Matthews. I mean, Matthews. he was a good one. Yeah, I mean. Chipper. What about Chipper? Chipper? Yeah. 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 Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a. Uh... And I also thought too. It's like you know when I look at look at Johnny Bench as the catcher, and it's like yeah, I had a hard time thinking who would be better. Yogi Berra. <laughs> uh, I I came across one um, a guy who was making a big case for Mike Piazza because of his oh. batting average. Okay. I mean, he had a really great batting average, and I guess was. Put up some surprisingly good numbers. Yeah. Bench is kind of like the default person I always think of. I mean, Johnny was just, you know, the greatest catcher I ever saw, but Yatsa has some pretty good, pretty good stats. Yeah. Well, Joe, you mentioned actually before we went on because you would saw a different chat GPT and, and AI is very, you know, it's all the rage right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's having an impact on my day job. Um, and I'm not saying that in a negative fashion, but, you know, we're looking at AI for how to produce more content, find efficiencies, oh, yeah. yada, yada, yada. But it's also all very pertinent on the information you put in, the human. And, yep. you know, so in this particular list, I read off, you know, how much of it is factored, how much is defense factored in this? 
you know how you much leave defense out entirely if you wanted to. Yes, I mean, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is. It does bring up some uh, some interesting uh, thoughts. I'm, I may I may try to do one of these a couple months down the road and see see what comes out. You know, Good. just yeah, play around with it. Just just from that aspect alone. So, all right. Any other nuggets uh, from the research table? That's all I got. All I know is I can't wait to see the Savannah Bananas. <laughs> Trust me, you're going to like the story very much. <laughs> I, that much, I, that much, I can can promise you there. So, uh, all right. So I think it is time that we do some TV themes, and we are going to lead off with uh, Jay's selection. Joe, you can play Name That Tune on this. I think I know what it is. You do. So it's the theme from Northern Exposure. Great show. I don't know why it came to me. Um, Northern Exposure was on 90 to 95 on CBS, and they it was nominated for 57 awards and won 27 uh, um, until the last year where they moved it from its time slot and killed it, which is what network TV people do. Yes. Um, also, there was uh, the cast was getting greedy, especially um, uh, Rob. What's his name? Rob Morrow. Rob Morrow. Uh, he was only in half the episodes the last year because he wanted so much money. They said, "We'll just come in half the time instead." <laughs> uh, way to go! Uh, anyhow, this was written by a guy named David Schwartz. It's the first TV theme he ever wrote, and but he did also work on Arrested Development. Beverly Hills 90210 uh, and uh, Deadwood. Hmm. Now, here's the other thing, and this has got me. You know, my favorite TV show of all time is St. Elsewhere. The same people that created St. Elsewhere created Northern Exposure. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Wow. Nor but did again, I. It's, that's, that's it's cool. an ensemble show, you know. Yeah, they had a great cast. Yeah, absolutely great cast. And, and amazing. Of course, we all know Janine Turner. Um, had a brief, uh, I use the word affair in quotes, with uh, one of Jerry Jones' sons and had a son out of wedlock that uh, Mr. Jones wanted nothing to do with. Wow. (laughs) So she raised the son herself on a farm just north of here up near Denton, Texas. (laughs) Well, there you go. Not getting this anywhere else. That's right. right. Um, Very tawdry. Very tawdry observation there. Good word. Yes, yes. (laughs) Good Uh, word. Yeah, and yeah. Amazing cast. The quirkiness of the characters. Yes. Was totally off the charts. Uh, you know, Barry Corbin was my favorite. Yes, because he was just a miserable old cuss who didn't care what anybody thought, <laughs> and he owned he owned them basically too. Yes, <clears throat> we all aspire to be him, don't we? Y- yeah, no, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And I will. I have a Barry Corbin story. I know I'm lengthening this. Oh, take time. So I was doing an appearance for the radio station, and this is probably 15 years ago. And Barry Corbin is the voiceover voice of a very popular country station in Dallas, Fort Worth. And whenever we would run into a celebrity, we would say to them, I need you to say, hi, I'm your name here. And I K-love my oldies. <laughs> okay. And, and it, we got Shaquille O'Neal doing it. Dirk did it in German. I mean, anybody we ran into, we had him do. And I went up to Barry Corbin and I said, here, I need you to read this. And it says, hi, I'm Barry Corbin, and I K-love my oldies. And he, of course, was the voice of another radio station. And he just looked at me, 
He said, you're trying to get me in trouble, boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Barry Corbin's great in everything he's into. Yes, he is. Yeah. He's absolutely great. He's fantastic. Um, I remember several years ago, uh, HDNet ran Northern Exposure in repeats. Yep. And, of course, that's one of the first shows that was uh, redigitized in HD Yes, for, for, for replay. So, uh, And I found that interesting because that was also on roughly around the same time that Rob Morrow was in Numbers. Correct. And so you, could, you would see him in Numbers, and then you would see him in Northern Exposure where he looked like he was 17 <laughs> compared to... <laughs> <laughs> numbers was a good show yes, i used to it, show that to the math class yes absolutely yeah. yes that was a fabulous show um, absolutely yeah so uh and hdnet founded by mark cuban yep i do remember that Didn't where he... can we get northern exposure these days is it on any of these it's on one of the streaming services channels? i'm betting it's paramount plus i just haven't noticed I, i've seen it flipping i don't have paramount but yeah i just haven't noticed it yeah well, I may have to look for that again. That's kind of gotten me. Uh, it's a great show. Yes. Yeah. Very, very, very intrigued by going back to check that out. All right. So now let's hear Joe's selection. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Quite stylish. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. What is a boy to do? Frazier has left the building. Joe. What a great show. Greatest sitcom of all time, just in my humble opinion. Just a phenomenal show. Yeah. Yes. The writing so, is unbelievable. Yes. And that's what, to me, made the show. Yep. The the, the high-brow, low-brow combination. Yes. And great, a great cast, but without those writers, uh, you w- would not have had the success that it did. So that so Frasier was a spinoff of, of Cheers. Mm-hmm. Cheers, yep. Uh, the... Character Dr. Fraser Crane first appeared on Cheers, and then he moved from Boston to Seattle. And Fraser was born in 1993 as its own show on NBC and ran for 11 seasons, 37 Emmy Awards, including yes. five straight for outstanding comedy series. And uh, David Hyde Pierce, who played uh, Kelsey Grammer's psychiatrist. Uh, brother uh, Niles Crane was nominated every single season for outstanding supporting actor in a comedy series and won several times. So it was a very highly regarded and well-received show. And I, I know Jay, I saw an email you sent today. You said you, you still watch it and it's just as funny now. As yes. It's aged um, very well. David Hyde Pierce was probably on the tonight show once a week back then <laughs> um, because not only, was he phenomenal on the show, but he was a great guest. Yeah, and yep. to me, he was the biggest scene stealer. Yes, he, and Eddie. Yes, yes, and Eddie. Yes, <laughs> can't forget Eddie. It, you know, and I'll, we'll talk a minute about, about the theme itself, but there is going to be a Frasier reboot. Yes. Uh, apparently later this year. I wanted to ask you guys' opinion about Plus. that. Yeah. It's been in the making for a couple of years. Now, David uh, Hyde Pierce will not be returning to reprise the role of Niles Crane, but many of the other... Uh, 
actors from that entourage will be, but I'm not sure it'll ever, you can't capture lightning twice in a bottle, especially if you don't have somebody like that there. So as much as I love the show, I'm, I'm very kind of trepidatious about what this new one will be after, uh, after this many years, but, but, you know, but we will see. Um, but the theme itself is kind of unusual because it plays at the, over the closing credits. Yes. Yes. As opposed to at the beginning of the show. And it is voiced and voiced rather well by the actor, the protagonist himself, Kelsey Grammer. And it's a little tune, uh, you know, called Tossed Salads and Scrambled Eggs, jazzy little number. Um, composer was a guy named Bruce Miller. Lyrics by Daryl Finisi and the, Title itself is kind of uh, poking fun at uh, the fact that the Fraser Crane deals with and his radio call-in show a, a bunch of characters who have various problems, people who are a little bit mixed up, perhaps. <laughs> hence the reference to toss salad and scrambled eggs. And um, so I actually dug a little bit deeper into this. You know, here's 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 what I came up with. So the it wasn't exactly clear early on what what the theme had to do with the show itself, but then the uh, the musicians involved said, "Yeah, it was kind of you know just kind of poking fun a little bit at the fact that uh, tossed salads and scrambled eggs are similar to the people that Fraser Crane dealt with. They're kind of mixed up themselves. But if you look closer at the lyrics, um, you know he says, "Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling." Well, that's the people calling in the radio show. Mm, That's yep. pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. And he says, and maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. So Frazier's kind of mixed up himself. You know, that's the funny thing. And yeah. trust me, I've known some people in uh, therapy world who, uh, great therapists who aren't necessarily uh, got it all together necessarily in the <laughs> private life. Uh, <laughs> do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got them figured out himself. Um, although, he will acknowledge that maybe his own life's a little mixed up. And so maybe that's all it was. He says he's got them mixed up. But then he says, I don't know what to do with those tossed salad and scrambled eggs. So what is he talking about there? He's got them pegged, but yet he doesn't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. So it's either one of two possibilities. There are so many people calling in, he's overwhelmed by it. Or, no, he's got that figured out. That's easy peasy. The tossed salad and scrambled eggs he's, he's talking about are his family and friends. Ah. Those are the ones that are giving him the most angst and heartache. And so that was the most um, sophisticated possibility I could come up with there. And I like it, though. One yeah. I'm going to choose to believe that maybe that's what it was all about. Man, that's this is what guys that, That's just what guys at our age do when that's we have got nothing to do. We get in and analyze a TV theme song to this level. That's a hell of a breakdown. 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty awesome. Um, that's deep. Yeah, that's right. I was going to ask you guys what you thought about the the, the potential reboot because yeah, I'm I'm immediately thinking it's not the same without his brother. I guess the premise is he goes back to Boston, and yes. his son is going to be his son's going to be part of it. Part yeah. of it. So Frederick yeah. will be grown up uh, in in this edition. Yeah, and you know he'll have there'll be some familiar. Members of the cast coming back, um, but Niles won't be there. Yeah, I think It'd that's be like Andy, Andy Griffith's show without Barney. 
maybe. Oh, like right. That. Great, great, great what are you call do? there. Yeah. So, um, and of course, yeah, John, I don't know. And John Mahoney no longer with us. And John. Yeah. And Eddie. And, and John Mahoney next to, to Niles. I mean, you know, he's probably the most significant member of that cast as well. So, yeah. And will B.B. Newworth maybe because she's in Boston. Yes. He'll be there. And Roz and uh, Daphne Moon. Daphne. We'll be back. Yeah, she signed on. Okay, well, but, but we'll see. I know. mean, I'll I'll give it a whirl. I mean, at the at the very least, the other fun fact about Frasier was that, uh, and often this happened in the beginning of the show that there were famous people yes. that would play Long the callers. Voices, yes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So a was, long list of well known. Yeah, so that was kind of a kind characters. of a neat little trick uh, yep. that, that they pulled off there. So. uh Yep, we'll look for the Frasier reboot, but uh, yeah, uh, Jay, I'm like you. I uh, I do check that out on Cozy TV on the nights I'm not checking out baseball, and uh, yeah. still laugh very hysterically. Yeah. Uh, still to this day, it, it holds up very well. It really does. Very I frequently have to hit the info button to see what year it was. Yes, because it is still so good. Yes, it, it isn't dated like Friends or even Seinfeld or something like that. It just appears to be something new that just came out. Yes. The only thing that gives it away are flip phones, maybe, but that's about Correct. it. That's about Correct. it. All right. Okay. So, uh, we alluded to my t-shirt and the, uh, for the show that bears its name. So I thought we'd go ahead and throw that one in here as well. Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of Cincinnati. Another great TV show uh, uh, that was amazing. Quirky characters and yep, all that ensemble. good stuff. Steve Carlisle uh, did that theme and was actually a hit yep. song back in the early 80s. And, uh, American Top 40. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 Cut custom versions of yes. that yep. for stations in different cities. Yes. Mm. They, had the, he, they did... Uh, BJ one hundred and five here in, yep. in WLOS. I remember that back wow. in the day, yeah. Good memory, wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was that was to me. Uh, I can never hear that theme song enough to begin with. Um, yeah, and uh, without smiling too. Yes, yes, and 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 of course again the the, the, the great cast. You know Howard Hessman, Doctor Johnny Fever, who we <laughs> lost not too long ago. Uh, yep. he, he he was awesome in that and. Uh, uh, you think about, and, and Jay, you've been a program director. Could you not relate to, to Andy as a PD? Yeah, you're a zookeeper. <laughs> you have to manage up and manage down. Yes. <laughs> and keep sales happy and programming happy. Yes. And it's more and it's more fun than teaching a high school algebra class, which is also a zookeeper job. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I digress. <laughs> no, you're right, though. I, I mean... I was at in college when the shows came out and of course ha- hung out at the college radio station mm-hmm. and I missed the first episode and I came down and I said, Oh my God, I missed it. 
And one of the girls at the station said, they got nothing on us, but everything they talk about is true. Mm-hmm. Because those were mostly true stories. Yes, yes. Uh, I was just getting started at WKIS when that, uh, when that came out. So I was, uh, you know, I was already in awe of being in, in the radio business as an intern, you know, and, yes. then, and then seeing this on TV. And, and it's like, God, this is actually very true. <laughs> yeah. Great show. They, and that's another CBS. We moved it around until it got canceled. Oh, yeah. That was like five time slot changes, I think, they, yes. they took on. Um, did either of you ever run into a salesman like Herb Tarlick? Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Newsman yeah. like Les Nessman? Yep. <laughs> Close. Those yeah. were all real people, yes. I'm telling you. Yeah. Or, you know, a caricature, caricaturization, that's not a word, I just made it up, they, of, of people with whom we've all worked. Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing stuff. So, yeah, and I'll be, I'll be, is anybody running that anywhere? I need to check uh, streaming for that. That I don't know, but I just, uh, Northern Exposure is not streaming because of all the music in the show. Ah. And Chris was the disc jockey. They couldn't get clearance to do that. Darn it. Um, which uh, what, there was another show, no, WKRP yeah. at first. You couldn't do it for that very reason. And they Overdub. either changed the songs or they did cover versions of the songs to release the DVD set. Yes. So yes. I don't know if it's streaming now, but Northern Exposure is not. Mm. Well, that's a bummer. Uh, and you remember the ending song to WKRP. Yes. And at the very end, the MTM logo comes up, and the little cat is in the logo, and he has on headphones. <laughs> yes, wow. yes. And that closing theme, which was totally different from the opening theme, I understand. Nobody knows the words to it. I don't. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. There's a there. There's that's another internet search for you. There are tons of different versions of people what they think the lyrics to that song are yeah and <laughs> they may just be gibberish yes it it probably is at the end of the day I bet on, yeah. <laughs> but it, but it, but it works so well with that show so there, there you go all right well guys man this is fun always enjoy uh getting together talk some baseball uh talk some television themes and all that good stuff so uh we will have to do it again closer to mid-season we'll uh we'll get another round in the Pirates will still be in first place. God, I hope so. That, I, I will be disbelieving if that's the case. All right. The eight. Twins have a much better chance. Believe it. Okay. We'll and see. the Braves. Joe Fingers, yep. Braves bold prediction. Better. Yes, there we go. We got it on record. All right, guys. Thanks again for being here. So much appreciated. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Recording stopped.